as you look at the new year, and I've been doing this a long time, I would tell you that it's probably the year with the most uncertainty that I've seen going into it. And uh, when you have uncertainty, at least what I, for me in my life, I found that planning and I'll use a, a better wealth uh, phrase, being intentional about my money actions is so important. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Better Wealth Show. I do not have to introduce you at all, Harry, because you've been on not just once, but twice. And because you literally blew my mind both times, we thought it would be a really good idea to help you build your own podcast. And so this is going to be really fun because not only do I wanna promote your show that you're gonna, you have so many nuggets that you drop each week, but I'm really excited to have our topic today and and almost have a mini series on the better wealth show because you are like a walking investopedia as i like to say as it relates to not just understanding how money works but translating it in for all of us and making it easy to understand and so i know that's quite the introduction but how are you doing and how has life been and, and oh, where, where's your mindset for 2022 excuse me caleb i think that um, as you look i'm i'm in great shape trying to help contribute to the dialogue about money. And I think as you look at the new year, and I've been doing this a long time, I would tell you that it's probably the year with the most uncertainty that I've seen going into it. And uh, when you have uncertainty, at least what I, for me in my life, I found that planning, and I'll use a, a better wealth uh, phrase, being intentional about my money actions is so important. So that's what I, uh, with respect to the podcast, I try to do that with each episode is give listeners information they can use and help them live, you know, help them live more intentionally. But uh, as you go into the new year, a lot of uncertainty. Here's one thing that I want to do. You've written five books. Okay. So yes. number one, if you're, if you're like, what should I do? What, what, what literature should I read to really be intentional in the new year? Um, we'll have a link to your website, go support Harry. And, and more importantly, like this, this content is game changer. And we'll also have a link to the podcast. One thing that really helps podcasts is when you listen and take two minutes to follow and then, and then to leave a review that really helps other people find the show. And I would love nothing more than, um, our audience to take a moment and, and it's no longer subscribe. It's follow the show and, and leave a review. And so with that. Today's topic is going to be 10 ways to improve your money life for 2022. And, and listen, if you're watching this a year later and we're coming into 2023, we'll just maybe edit that out and make it 2023. But really there's a theme as it relates to 10 ways to massively improve your money in 2022. And this is, this is something that I'm really excited to talk about because as you said, there's so much uncertainty. And so um, with that, I'm going to hand it over to you. My hope is to give the give the title as we're going to go through all 10 and then really just give give it maybe a something snackable to to listen to and the hope in every episode that we do is to um, create action and and hopefully one of these ideas can help you live more intentional for 2022. Oh, thank thanks Caleb. I think first off as you look at the year, the most important thing for me is always cash planning. 
So making sure that your budget, your, do you have a cash plan in place? And a cash plan has two elements to it. It has income, inflow and outflow, because the, you know, the key to life is positive cash flow. And I think in uncertain times, you really need to sit down and make sure you have such a plan in place. And what I do, and I've done for years, and I write about, is I have a 24-month rolling cash flow. I've done it since I was in college. It has worked for me personally in my personal finances in a major way. Now, when you look at that, naturally, if you have entrepreneurs in the audience, they have a business plan for the year. Maybe some of them have three-year plans, but having that cash flow and that cash plan in place is so important. And when you look at our country today, about 70% of people say they have a budget. About 30% of people say they have a financial plan, a written financial plan. I think people are maybe overstating both, but both are important. But let's get that cash plan in place. That's the first idea for 2022. And I love that because if you don't track your spending, if you don't track your money, how in the world do you know where you are? One of the things that we we do, and we I, I saw this happen twice uh, at our both workshops before the end of the year, is we actually made people start writing down what they spend. And, and Harry, you'd be shocked how many oh. people are like, oh my goodness, I didn't, I didn't have a clue that I was spending this. In fact, last night I went onto my um, iPhone and went on and saw all the subscriptions that I was paying for that I wasn't using. Yes. It, that is a minor example of when you track your money, you control it. I love that idea number one is create and update your cash budget. All right, I'm gonna to try to, I'm gonna change up a little bit, but I think it's also important. My idea number two is take an inventory of your employable skills. As we know today, companies are hiring, it's skill-based hiring. And face it, for most people, your, your, your most important asset, your most important income earning asset is you. So what are you doing to improve that? What skills are you adding? How are you making yourself more marketable? And it could be, by the way, more marketable for your existing employer, or maybe more marketable for that dream you have to start your own business and off and running. But skill improvement's important. Uh, I, I write about, for instance, that people ought to have money in their emergency fund to re-educate themselves every number of years because they need to fund that because many companies today aren't funding the skill enhancement as much as they should. So uh, get those skills and get them up to date. It's, I think that's really significant and really important for people. Yeah, and, and really this, this could compete with the number one idea as well is you are your greatest asset. So many people are diversifying their ability to have an impact and live intentionally. And so number one thing is it, it like for 2022, do an audit of your skill set, where you're at and ask the question, am I providing the most amount of value, not just to myself, but to the people that I'm working with and interacting with? And if the answer is I don't know or no, double down on that and ask the question, what skills, relationships, um, areas in life do I need to grow in to really maximize your potential? We found that um, that can be one of the greatest ways to build and keep wealth is knowing and showing up as a great, your greatest asset. Oh, that's right. And I think um, I've been an advocate of the five hour, the five hour rule, which is an, spend an hour a day on your own personal development and improvement. And um, I, I've done that. I've done that cable from the first day I started working. Uh, and, and I've done that forever. And it's just a habit. I love but it. I think that it helps you build your skills, helps you get to where you need to be. So that's my second idea. Build those skills. And that should help you drive income. And income is going to be really important in 22 because we're all dealing with inflation. 
and you need to increase your income to deal with the increase in costs we're all, we're all experiencing. All right, number three, this is right up your alley. Number three is get a life insurance checkup. And I'm a big advocate of checkups. And I think that you, you, you spent the time to put a life insurance plan in place. You had exposures you needed to cover. You spent down determining your coverage, what type of policy you needed, the cash flow on that policy, the projections on returns. You need to sit down and tune it up once a year. And I think that's, that's really important. So sit down with your life insurance professional and make sure that one, you have enough coverage. Maybe you had another child that year. Maybe you need to, maybe you're in a situation where you could put more cash into your policy and, and, can, and, and add to it, if you will, in a very good way. So people need to spend that time doing that annual checkup. Because if not, it's, it, as you well know, it's not a set and forget. Okay. It's not a set and forget asset. It's an asset that needs to be worked. Yeah. One, one of the things that we like to point out is someone's max potential in their life. And people are shocked how much their life, how much money they're going to make and what the potential of those earnings are. And what many people see when they review their life insurance is their life insurance is like a pennies or a fraction of their max potential. And, and in many cases, there are life events that do change. And so I, I echo what you're saying, and obviously people know that if they need a second opinion, we are here and would be more than happy to do life insurance checkups for anyone that is interested. All right. Number four, look into long-term care insurance. Now, people say, well, I'm a young person. Why would I look into long-term care insurance? And I think the reason, the reason so important is 65% of the people in our society today are going to have a long-term care event. And it's going to last depending on, I think for, for females, it's about three years. For males, it's five. And if it's a memory care event, it could go on for quite some time. Most people think that Medicare is going to provide long-term care coverage, and it does not. The bulk of long-term, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'll, I'll just qualify for Medicaid. I'll, I'll have the state pay for it. Well, there are a lot of steps you have to go through to make sure you qualify for Medicaid. So if you're a young person, making sure your parents have long-term care insurance in place, because as a caregiver, that could be significant. And as an older person, it's really protection you need to have. And so few people have it. And it's more and more important today. So that's, that's number four on the, uh, on the hit parade, if you will. Yeah. The only thing I'll add, and you did such a great job summarizing that, is some of these insurances like disability and long-term care or even life insurance are things that we don't necessarily like to talk about. But the reason they need to be a part of a plan is we like we like things when they go up, but what happens when something hits the fan and doesn't go our way? Long-term care can be uh, an event that totally wipes out not just your wealth, but your kids' wealth or um the, the entities that you really want to bless when you pass away. And so it's one of those things that uh, is near and dear to my heart. And I'm excited for people like you that articulate it so well. Oh, uh, thanks. Thanks, Caleb. Because if you really look at it for all insurance coverages, it, fundamentally, they're just cash for future delivery when you need it. I mean, it's pretty simple. It delivers that cash at that time. But long-term care, to me, it's, the, it's really the, um, the major unprotected event in most people's lives. And you have to get some protection in my view. So you can maybe self-fund it. You can buy an insurance coverage. You can buy a hybrid policy combination, annuity and life and uh, long-term care policy, but you, you need some protection and that's really important for you. All right, number five, and this is one that, uh, that I've seen come up in my career a number of times, which is review and update all of your beneficiary designations. 
Now that sounds a very, like a very simple thing, but one of the things you need to remember is if, if unfortunately an event takes place, you pass away, you pass away and you have a different, you know, you're, the insurance company, the 401k plan administrator, they're only going to be able to distribute that money to the beneficiaries that you've designated. Now, I, I've seen this happen. Someone gets divorced, refuses, they, they don't go back and they don't change the beneficiary. And unfortunately, the prior spouse might get the benefit. They'll try to litigate that and so on. Yep. But that's, it's unfortunate. You, you have to do that. So for your 401k plan, your life insurance, those key beneficiaries you have, please make sure those are properly elected, properly elected and in place. One of the things that you know that we do is we work with people, we help audit, we do what's called a financial x-ray for people. And there was one lady that did a financial x-ray with our team and she had everything perfect. She had her cash flow in line. She was going to oh, continue wow. to build wealth, oh, all these things. Mm -hmm. But there was one thing that she was missing and that was that her beneficiaries were not aligned with what she thought. And that one question that we asked totally like kind of she took a step back and she's like, oh, that's a great question. And in doing research, she then wrote us a long email just thanking us uh, because if we weren't going to ask her to do that, um, who knows what would have happened in the future. And so I can't um, say that enough where there's not a lot of people that are saying, check your beneficiaries and make sure that everything's in a line. Uh, you will thank us uh, for making you do that because it is worth it. Doesn't take that much time, but you will, it is totally worth it. And here you are, you put life insurance coverage in place for your beneficiaries and then they don't get the money. That's right. Or you've saved money for a certain, and, and you want to give that money to service. Maybe it, even if you wanted to give it to a charity or you had an intention that you had with that money, you, beneficiary designations are so, so significant. Yep. All right, number six. This is an easy one, but it's there's a lot of money involved in it. Take care of your body and your property. Now, I, you know, as an older gentleman, I can tell you this is really important. Get that annual physical. If you don't do the maintenance on the body, if you don't do the checkpoints, you're going to have health issues, which will affect your ability to earn an income, how you live your life, and so on. And the same thing has to do with your home, your car, um, all the things we use on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives. You need to maintain them. So if you have the annual um, air conditioning checkup, please get somebody in to do that. It'll And today, especially with energy costs so high, it can save you a lot of money. So for all those things in your life where there's do that annual maintenance, you know, go to the doctor, make sure your property's taken care of. It'll save you money. Not enough people are paying attention. And I think that's really, really significant. Yeah. I'm grateful that you articulated that because I mean, ironically, we will do annual checkups on our car and, and we'll go to the mechanic. Uh, but how many of us are going through multiple years of our life without even looking at our own body and, and figuring out if, if things are good or not good? it's kind of ironic when you think about it. And so lo love what, what you're saying there. And I think, uh, again, you'll see a common theme in these, these 10 ideas. A lot of it is reflecting auditing because it's hard to know how to improve if you don't actually know the problem. Right. And, and then from an in, living your life in an intentional way, you have to pay attention to these things. Yeah. There's no sense working, building a business and then finding, and then having a heart attack at a young age because you didn't pay attention to your health. It's not, I've seen this happen. I, I've experienced it. I've had friends that have gone through it, and I just think it's a, a good thing to think through. Uh, number seven, review and adjust your income tax withholdings. Now, we are all anticipating, we have been at least, major tax change for the new year. 
and we're waiting to see what comes out of Washington. And as as we record this today, as Caleb and I record this, we, we are not aware of major new tax provisions that are going to come through, but there's the potential that they will be passed and effective. Uh, so I think it's a really good idea to make sure you've got your withholdings properly set up for the new year. You want to make sure you're, again, cash flow and managing your cash flow. You don't want to pay Uncle Sam significant amounts of money, nor do you want to owe them significant amounts of money, which is a surprise to your household. So um, there are ways to do this. The IRS, actually, irs.gov has calculators, estimators you can use. Very easy to do, but pay attention to it. Taxes are important. And in reality, for most people, probably the largest expenditure they make in the course of a year is the taxes that they pay. So the actions that you can take to properly calculate them and minim minimize them, really important for you as you, uh, as you move forward. Is there any call to action from a standpoint of the best way to do that? Because I agree, um, the common theme across the board is people don't have a tax strategy. We're looking in the past, we're not planning for the future. And if you do think about how you know many people think and plan their taxes, it's, it's horrible. And yet in many cases, it's someone's greatest expense or consumption item. And that is one of the amazing hacks if you can figure that out and, and be more efficient. Yeah, one suggestion might be, Caleb, if um, the tax preparer that they use, have them do an estimate for you for the next year. And by the way, if you do it yourself, if you used one of the TurboTax or one of the other packages, you can, you have very easily, they take all the information from the current year, carry it forward next year, you can make changes and it'll give you the estimated uh, liability that you'll have and whether or not you uh, will most likely need to pay in additional taxes quarterly or whatever your situation is. But I agree with it. You need to pay attention to it. It's a big number. And there's nothing like having a great year and then finding out you have a $10,000 tax bill you hadn't planned for. And there goes your cash flow for the next period yeah. of time. So that's, that's not good. All right. On to item number eight, which is an interesting one, I'll, and I'll tell you a true story about this one, that is to look into adding an umbrella policy to your insurance coverages. An umbrella policy, for those of you not familiar, is exactly what it is, you know, it, the words are, it's an umbrella, it sits on top of your coverage. Quick example, you have automobile insurance coverage, say you have $300,000 of liability or $500,000 of liability uh, that you... Uh, coverage you have in case you are the cause of an accident, someone's injured, they sue you. And, but today that doesn't go very far. So the question is what happens when the court judges that that individual has a million dollars in damages versus 500,000? Well, the reality is you're on the hook for that. So they're either going to put in some sort of lien on your assets or for younger folks, they put, may put a lien on your income. And uh, in real life, I had a, a, a good friend of mine whose son, a young driver, 16 at the time, uh, was involved in a horrific accident, uh, multi-million dollars of damages. And my friend who was in the insurance industry did not have an umbrella. So he had to pay out of pocket for his son. And it was significant. So this is an easy one. Now, you'll, you'll read, and, and I know that uh, you have a friendly relationship with Dave Ramsey, Caleb, uh, as you go through things. But uh, what Dave Ramsey says is, oh, you know, unless you have a half a million of assets, it's not something you should worry about. I disagree with that because many times younger people, 
their, their key asset is their earning power in the future. And you don't want to be in a situation where you have to pay someone over the next 10 or 15 years for, uh, unfortunately, if you caused an accident or hurt someone. So that's, uh, I think that's something you really ought to take a look at. And uh, very simple, doesn't cost a lot, about $300 a year. Your general insurance agent or the company that you deal with can work with you to put it in place. Yep. Not, nothing I'll add other than the fact that I think it's one of the key secrets to having your risk management taken care of. And it's something that I learned recently that uh, there were gaps in my coverage that um, were addressed and covered up with an umbrella. And so I'm just grateful for um, someone being so kind and letting me know. And so it's something that I'm passionate about because now that we're, we're teaching other people to do the same and review and make sure that they're properly insured. And it's, it thanks a lot, Gabe. I've been, I, I, I give people this idea and they say, what's that? Yeah. And these are people with significant assets. Well, you need to really have someone look at it for you. So thank it, you for that. It is insane how cheap it is for the true coverage. And it, and it makes a lot of sense because the insurance company, like the, you know, a lot of times it's, it's on a coverage after you already tap into your initial insurances. And so for the insurance company, it doesn't cost that much more. And yet it, it just covers like an umbrella so much of your life. I really think it's a no brainer. And I hope people actually take time to ask about it and, and are intentional in getting that in place. Yep. It's great protection for them. All right. Number nine, and this is to fully fund your emergency fund. Now, we talk about emergency funds. I know, Caleb, in so many of your episodes, you've spoken about it also. I'm an advocate of at least six months moving to a year, but that differs for people. And, and sometimes, for instance, if you are an entrepreneur and you're self-employed, you might need, depending on the business that you've created, you might need more than that. Yep. If, you're, um, if you think about it, if you're in a situation where maybe your skill set is not as good as it should be, and the likelihood that, that something might happen to you and you, you're going to have to retrain to, to qualify for a new job, you may need a little bit more money set aside for that. So making sure you've got a fully funded emergency fund. And what did we learn in the last couple of years? Stuff happens. A pandemic happens. You know, these are things that really are going on that people need to pay attention to and uh, get that emergency fund in place. Yeah. One thing I'll add is what is the ROI of peace of mind? What is the, the oh. ROI of, of having money available to tap into if something happens or, or allows you to maybe be aggressive or take a risk that you really want, knowing that you have something to fall back on? Uh, the, the, the Psychology of Money is a phenomenal book and I think articulates the concept of having safe money um, and how it can very much help you be a better investor because of that safety. And that's one thing that as a business owner, I would, I would encourage all business owners to have more of that year's worth of reserve because uh, I think you can run a better business and take uh, better chances and risk knowing that you're not going to put your team and yourself at risk if something doesn't um, work out. Oh, that's prudent. I absolutely agree with you. That's prudent advice for people. And uh, another way of looking at it, for those of you that are more cynical in the audience, would be that it's your walking away money. If you've got that cash put away, you don't like your job any longer, you're having difficulties with your boss, you really want to do something quite different, having that cash cushion will enable you to say, look, I'm going to take yep. 60 days off, clear my head, and then I'm going to move on to do X, Y, or Z. And it gives you a lot of freedom. And that's powerful, especially in your younger years. Yep, absolutely. 
All right, number 10 today, and that is review your living expenses. Now that sounds simple, but let me highlight a couple of things. As again, we're, we're, our nation's experiencing inflation. We're seeing inflation at a 6% level, they say overall. For lower income households, it might be as much as 8%. The Wharton School just put out, a, a recently put out a study that indicates on average, people are seeing a 6% increase in their living expenses, about $3,600 a year. For higher income households, that goes up about 5%, up to about maybe $8,000 a year of additional costs. So you're going to have to get a hold of your living expenses and you need to make sure you understand what you're spending, why you're spending it, and how you're going to manage it. Um, overall, average household in America spends about $63,000 a year. Uh, that, that's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. If you can't sleep at night, it's a great website to go to. That they'll go through and they have something called the Consumer Expenditure Survey that they go through and update every couple of years. Shows you what families spend, but about $63,000 a year right now. So $3,600 is a lot for a household spending $6,300 a year. So sitting down and going through your expenses, deciding what's necessary, what's needed, what's not. It, it's a discipline that you need to do, and it makes sense. And a lot of times, as we, we talked about earlier in, in our session today, people get a great awareness of what they're spending. It's like, I have that many subscriptions. Yeah. I spend that much on DoorDash. Uh, what do we, you know, I mean, it, it does. And I spent that much on clothing, uh, you know, uh, that much on sporting events. So uh, I do think it's, it just helps you. But you need, again, in life, in your financial life, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. That's right. And you've like got to that. get your arms around it. And, 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 um, and I'm not the person that's going to tell you not to get a certain coffee or a certain drink. I don't believe in any of that. My, my view, my view is I've got a budget. I, I know what my cash is. If I can fit what am I, the things I want within that cash budget, that's great. That's what I want. But um, unless I know what I'm spending and what I'm spending my money on, I'm not able to do that. So yep. that's that's number 10 for today, Caleb. What What is the difference between the first one, which is up to create an update, a cash budget, and the last idea of reviewing your living expenses? Ca cash budget takes into effect income and outflow. Yep. And so you got to have a plan that has both. Certain budgeting techniques that are out there today are in, include income and expense. Yep. Others are simply expense-driven. Yep. I'm a fan of, my. at the end of the day, it's my cash flow. Yeah. So I have to have a plan over it for me, as I indicated, 24 months. Here's my net cash flow. And then I can decide how much extra cash flow I have for investment, how much I have to add insurance coverages, how much I need to maybe I want to spend and do a great vacation somewhere. And that's what I have. So the first item, our first idea, number one, is really your, your total cash flow. And the last is to really do a deep dive on your living expenses. I love that. I love that. And I think one of the one of the things that I'll challenge is almost look at all the places that you're spending money looking for the future because one's kind of look reflecting and another's looking to the future and and really saying where what do you value and making sure that you're spending money and have the ability to spend money on the things that you truly value um, what i would love to hear from you if you're watching this on youtube is i would love for you to comment down below what your favorite idea was or what may be the most convicting idea i know that half of you watching it don't even know what an umbrella insurance is so uh, be honest and, and and share that but i would love to hear your biggest takeaway i would love for you to take a moment to go support um the financial versus podcast harry congratulations on that 
Uh, and I'm just so excited to do a continual series on this show as we're helping people give them, give them ideas, give them a little financial nuggets so that they can live more intentional. Any final words as it relates to the 10 ways to improve your financial life in 2022? No, I think that they're there. They're there to help people. And uh, again, these are ideas. Some may apply to you, to your listeners. Some may not, but they're there. And, and But overall, my intent is to really help them and provide them with information so they can live with, again, more intentionally with their money and, and to manage their affairs. I love it. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.